Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. I'm home cooked, it's dead in trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? I'm home cooked, it's dead in trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? They ain't believing me in the beginning. Who wanna hang around now they see me winning? I'm home cooked, it's dead in trial. Why ain't I see you round back when I was down? What's up, world? It's your boy, Big Court, from the Holding Court Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by none other than my brother, Master P, Rap Snacks. Available in all stores nationwide. Actually, this is my favorite one right here, Master P, Icons, Rap Snacks. Go pick them up now. What's up, world? This is your boy, Big Court, on the Holding Court Podcast, man. Today... You know, we have a special guest, you know, the homie Big Herc from the 916 representing Sacramento. From yes, sir. The popular uh, YouTube series, Fresh Out. I'm sure y'all seen it. Uh, good brother. I've been knowing him for several years, man. Solid dude. Uh, he, I had the pleasure of being on his uh, uh, platform. What was it? Something from something to nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and so, you know, of course, I had to reciprocate with my brother and bring him on onto the Holding Court podcast. So, Man, I appreciate you, man. Welcome. Hey, man, I appreciate the opportunity, man, to uh, sit down and chop it up with you. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. I didn't know that you had moved to AZ, man. You know, you've been here in L.A. I wanted you to come in and and, and sit down <laughs> with your boy, you know what I'm saying, face-to-face and, 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 you know, lay eyes on you. Well, you know, during all this craziness, man, um, I came out here to Arizona, and I seen just a totally different vibe going on, and... uh you know, I was born and raised in California, but that was a sign for me to get the hell out. So yeah. I, I did. I packed up and moved within like 30 days. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I can dig it. I can dig it. Probably less traffic down there, too, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot less traffic. Yeah. Uh, it's all good. I mean, it's still West Coast. You know, you're a West Coast boy. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, Man, I wanted to really bring you on, dog, because you have a very compelling story, an inspirational story as well. Um. You know, I've always said that our stories were were similar, especially coming up. Only I, I, you know, I escaped what you had to go through, but uh, we'll get to that. Um, but man, you know, uh, let's let's start from the beginning. Um, where are you from? You're from Sac. I said that already. Yeah, um, I'm from Sac, uh, mm-hmm. North Highlands to be exact. You know, Sacramento's got a couple of different little subdivisions, but um, I was born in Sacramento, raised in North Highlands. Um, North Highlands, Cripper Blood. North is that Cripper Blood? Well, North Highlands have both. My big mm. homies, there a lot of them were Bloods. Okay. So and then there was a handful of Crips. So uh, it was always kind of crazy because every time we go somewhere, it'd kick off because Sacramento's predominantly all Blood. Mm-hmm. Okay. But these dudes are still have my back, you know, because of just how we carried it. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we were probably North Highlands was probably North Highlands, and um, you got 29th Street back then was probably one of the and then you had uh i want to say uh the creek was probably like the few crypt sets mm-hmm. yeah creek mob i only know that be from listening to brother lynch we call it we call yeah. it the, we call it the six four the six four yeah 
Okay. Yeah. That's the NH. <laughs> All right. So, so you were saying your mother had you young? Yeah. Mom's had me young. And, um, you know, so I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, you know, a typical never met my pops, but I heard he's like, you know, around there somewhere. And, um, you know, I had pretty good morals and values around me. Grandparents, uh, grandfather retired military, grandmother very southern from Georgia. So taught me a lot of mannerism. And um, that carried me a long way. And, um, you know, basically my childhood from, you know, kindergarten up till probably eighth grade was, uh, you know, I stayed out of trouble, man. Straight A student, 4.0, skateboarding, BMXing, um, breakdancing, mm-hmm. you know, all the kids stuff. You know, I didn't really get into any thick of anything until I moved back to SAC when my mom got divorced. And, um, and then um, I got into, you know, I, I wanted, I kind of got around that negative influence when I got back. And then like my freshman year is really when it was a turning point in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go back. So you say when you were young, you were just a, you know, normal kid. Uh, you, me and you sharing that you was into BMX back then. Oh yeah. 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 I had, you know, Remember the GT performer, yeah, Hutch, yeah. uh, Dino, uh, yeah. PK Ripper. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to read the little BMX in books and yeah. fantasize about being a professional <laughs> uh, BMX racer or freestyler. Dog, so, dog, me you too. Know, back then, we didn't have the access to that, so we'd make dirt ramps. I mean, we spent all day Saturday jumping our bikes over a moat or trying <laughs> to clear something or trying to bunny hop. Who could yeah. bunny hop the highest? Yeah, yeah. And, um, that was, you know, that's what we did, but it wasn't, it really wasn't no black BMXers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there was one brother, remember that race? He was professional yeah. that I kind of looked up to. And then skateboarding was another thing I did. And there was one brother, I think he had dreadlocks. He skated for Madrid mm-hmm. and I kind of like idolized him, but I was one of the few black skateboarders that would skate hate street in San Francisco, Chinatown banks, Golden Gate Park. I mean, Embarcadero, I was out there in the mix with real skaters you know, back then in like the, the early 80s. Man, that's crazy, Hurt, because we talked about this before. And, you know, I took on to the to the BMX as well, man. I, I had subscriptions of BMX Plus and freestyling, you know what I mean? Still I still got the bike. You still I got still it. got them, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm shopping for a Haro right now, you know what I mean? So, hey, uh, I was doing the same thing, but I was thinking I was going to bust my head if I get out Oh, there. now see, now I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to try to do no tricks because if I fall now, I feel like I'm a shatter. You know what I mean? So I know I know my limitations, but I had those same dreams in the hood, bro. I was one of the few uh, black, young black kids that was really leaning into the freestyling thing. You know, me and my partner, my lord, you know what I mean? And we used to bunny hop, make the ramps. You know, I, I was the probably the best. I was actually in the newspaper back in Kansas City for doing, you oh, know, wow. yeah, for doing that. But we had, like, Brian Belcher. Uh, he was a black BMXer. We used to see him in the magazines and shit. He was from Kansas City. And we had Dennis McCoy. You know, oh, yeah, uh, Dennis McCoy was the shit. Yeah, he was from yeah, Kansas City. McCoy was, man, yeah. he was the shit back Yeah, then. he was from yep. Kansas City. He was a superstar back then. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, that dude was doing tricks. He was creating all the new tricks. Man, he was doing that at like 13, 14 years old. You know what I'm saying? Killing it. And he's still riding at 50 or 50-something. He's still doing Yeah, I doing think he's it. one of like the OGs, like X Games and right, all that right, stuff. Right, 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 right. Yeah. He like Tony Hawk on uh, in a yep. skate front. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I couldn't really get into the uh the skateboarding man because I, I sucked at skateboarding dog like 
I just couldn't. I, I couldn't ollie. I couldn't do none of that shit. So I said, fuck that. Let me get back on the bike. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I, I remember having them same dreams. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, what was a turning point for you? Like uh, once you, you know, because, you know, we got corrupted. Why'd you get corrupted? I know why I did. <laughs> well, you know, I, w- I was, you know, from BMXing. And then I, I was like kind of on the board, on a, on a borderline, like, should I be a mech? Should I skateboard? So I did both. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point like the skateboarding, you know, getting your parts and stuff. I needed like money for parts. So I'm thinking, well, man, you know, uh, if I can't afford to do it, what am I going to do? Because it's like either play basketball with the next phase going into high school yeah, yeah, or do I stick, stick with skateboarding? Cause mm-hmm. my boy had, my partner had a ramp and basically I would hang out. I had like a lot of, my little white friend, we'd all be over at his house skateboarding and stuff. So once I started breaking my skateboard parts and I couldn't replace them, it's kind of like I lost uh, I lost the drive, man. It's like I lost space that I could – because I didn't have my mom working two jobs, trying to keep up. I mean, it was easier to go bounce a basketball than continue to try to, you know, buy decks because you had to buy a skateboard deck every couple weeks. And I was kind of leaning more on skateboarding because I was really good. I mean, I was one of the few guys who could ride quarter pipes. I could ride – um, you know, I could ride pool a little bit, street, you know, street skate, and mm-hmm. I was trying to get sponsored, but like, you know, my grandparents and stuff, wouldn't nobody really back it. They thought it was just like something in the past. Yep. So it kind of, you know, that's why, you know, critical moments when kids asking for certain things and you think, oh man, I mean, if you got to work an extra hour mm-hmm. to get that kid, what it is he needs to keep him off the street right. or to kind of further his vision i mean dude that's a game changer because like i said i was a i was a straight a student but from there i started seeing the dudes at school with the troops with the deodores with mm-hmm. the filas and and you know the uh the uh back then what was it the carl canine and, yeah and, and everybody was hustling and i started thinking well damn you know if i can't skateboard i might as well get into the street game yeah yeah then that's crazy that you said that man i mean so do you think that possibly uh, you could have made different decisions or, or you know, a, you know, the environment could have been different if maybe your support you have. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. More of a support system that really fed what it was you were into. You know what I mean? Like, because I know back in the 80s, you know, we was latchkey kids. So mm-hmm, our parents mm-hmm, worked mm-hmm. and shit, you know what I'm saying? All so, day. so they didn't really, they weren't, you know, and not to throw them under the bus because they did the best they could. But, you know, they some parents weren't able to be as hands-on and as involved, you know what I mean? 
So it was kind of like they tell you good job and different things like that, but t- they don't really see what you're doing and what you're into and what you're going through. You know what I'm saying? So do you think if your people were able to, you know, really lean into that and feed that, that maybe, you know what I'm saying, you could have went further and maybe made different decisions? Oh, yeah, by mm-hmm. far. I mean, you, you got, like you said back then, you remember uh, we had one dude, he might have a Polaroid camera, and yeah. you try to time it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you could take pictures, and I got a couple pictures, but, you know, we didn't have the instant social media, but if we could have filmed what we were doing mm-hmm. and had that feedback, I mean, dude, we'd have been killing it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was doing ho-hos and sad airs and, you know, Japan airs, all this crazy stuff back mm-hmm. then, and it would have kind of fed me into a direction where, you know, hey, man, I can do this. And, and think five years down the line, because mm-hmm. ideally, I want to start my own skateboard company. Yeah. I mean, I actually had, you know, drew up skateboards. I looked into ordering uh, my, you know, uh, what do you call it, uh, plain decks and yeah. do my own graphics. Yeah. I was trying to do a lot of stuff, but I didn't have anybody in my family who was entrepreneurial. Right. I mean, before I even started getting into the streets, I actually wrote Nike. I wrote Converse. I wrote Adidas. And I drew pictures of shoes to try to see if I can get a shoe deal. man. And I have sketches where <laughs> I drew the shoes and then I sent it, to, you know, they sent me a little NDA. And I, you know, back then you had to look on the side of the box. Yeah. It was a crap shoe. Yeah. You didn't know if you yeah. ever, if the address was even legit. And I sent it and they sent it back and they said, oh, at this time we're not um, accepting any submissions. And I'll be damned if like probably six, eight months later, I seen something look similar to them two I drew. Wow. You know, so I wrote them and then I also, uh, I tried to get into video games before they had coding. I wrote in television and I drew out a whole video game on paper Damn. each step. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty creative as a kid. I did a lot of things both kids in the hood don't do because I was trying to figure a way to become a millionaire. I want to be rich. Mm-hmm. I hated like when I watch, you know, Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous. Yeah. I'd watch that show <laughs> religiously and I'd be looking like, damn, man, that shit is like, that's how I want to live. Yeah. And I would ask my grandpa, like, man, why don't you? dude, you ain't never tried to be like these people. And he's like, oh, I'm not that smart, man, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, that's like, that's like a, a, uh, a letdown. You don't, you don't believe in yourself. Right. And I believed in myself. So I was always willing to try different things to see if I could maybe get lucky. Yeah. So I tried all these things before I started selling any dope. Yeah. And you know, that's the killing part about it, bro. Uh, I can relate a hundred percent. And I'm sure many people our age can, you know, and probably even, you know, the young kids, um, you know, our, our parents, that generation before us, they, you know, they come from a different world. You know, it wasn't about entrepreneurship, you know, it was about getting a job, you know what I'm saying? Getting a good job. Or if you, if you were blessed enough, your people would be trying to push you to go to college, you know what I mean? But get a good job, retire, work hard, you know what I mean? And just ride it out, you know? So they didn't really have the the tools or the roadmaps to give us, you know what I'm saying? To really feed that because I, I did the same thing and, and my mother she you know she always gave me that confidence you know I can't my mother was you know I was an only child so I was doted on you know my mother shit you know treated me like a little king but um I just I used to do the same thing I used to uh draw bikes you know I had this dream that I was gonna get uh sponsored by Mongoose <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> so my whole plan at 12 was I'm gonna get sponsored by Mongoose then I was drawing bikes and shit. And then what I'm going to do is make enough money to start 
my own bike line. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I already had my, my drawings and shit, you know, ready. I was ready because I thought they was, I don't know how they was going to find out about me, but somehow or another, I was going to get signed to Mongoose. And, you know, around, you know, 14, 13, 14, you know what I'm saying? You get street poison. You know what I mean? And it sounds like it happened like that for you. You're talking about ninth grade. You know what I mean? So I was in jail at 15. You know, once you start discovering, you know, and then it's that rush. And then your peers is going into it. The environment's changing because now we got crack cocaine coming in. We got the influx of gangs. You, you Like you say, niggas is hustling. You seeing the young niggas with the cars and the Dayton's and the, you know, rope chains and the Turkish chains with the anchor on it. And they got the fresh starter coats and shit. You like, oh, you know, what? what's that about? You know what I mean? So what was the what was the the turning point for you like you say ninth grade so what what happened then you know what i mean when the homies just was like shit this is what it is or you just decided to jump in head first um well like you said um being that we were latchkey kids i had a lot of time at home and i would do my homework but i lived on a street that was the dope street so right down the street if i drive if i rode my bike to up the street like maybe five minutes i'm at streetlick park and back then, Streetlick Park was like they had a, it had an in and out, kind of like In and Out Burger. Mm-hmm. And you had all the OGs up there. And a lot of these dudes went to school. My mom, they were, you know, 15, 20 years senior, you know, older than me. And they'd be out there lifting weights, shooting dominoes, and hanging out, Jerry curls and ball heads, just like straight hitters. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd be kind of like watching, and I see the people coming through, and I'm like, man, look like there's something cracking over here. So. Essentially, I asked one of the homies, like, dude, what's, what's, you know, how are people getting their money? Because I'm seeing some dude come to school. One dude, he never wore the same pair of shoes for a whole month. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, how the hell? There's no way your parents could afford to buy you a new pair of shoes every day mm-hmm. in different outfits. And I'm like, they're like, oh, he a D-boy. He a D-boy. And the girls be on him. And he's doing his thing. I'm like, man, I want to be a D-boy. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I said, man, you know, I want to get that paper. I want to be one of them dudes. You know, I'm steady writing a tense meet and shit. I ain't getting, you know, it's like. <laughs> I want to, I want to find my identity yeah. and seeing the, you know, the dude with the clothes and then these dudes pulling up on uh 5.0s on gold ones and cutlasses on D's and bumping Isley brothers and, yeah. and the girls. And really these dudes are doing R Kelly shit. They shouldn't even been up there. Oh, Some yeah. of these dudes that yeah, yeah. been out of school for four or five <laughs> years and they're getting at our cheerleaders. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you know, how can I compete? Hey, hey, you use the same words that I use literally in high school, bro. I used to say the same <laughs> shit. I was like, man, how we compete with that shit? Like, you know, you got niggas that's, like you say, 23, 24. They already got cars, got apartments and shit. And then the thing about it was the girls would come to school with their chains on and they coat, they starter coats on. You know what I'm saying? And you be like, fuck, like, I can't compete with that. He came and got you in the box Chevy. You know what I'm saying? Only thing I can give you is what I can give you. You know what I mean? You know what that is. I got us some dick and some bubble gum. I'm fresh out of gum. Shit. You know what I mean? But other than that, I'm like, you know, yeah, we went through, the, I said the same thing. I was like, man, how we compete with that? Yeah. You know, you get, you get caught up because, uh, like I said, that did I run that? Like you said, 14, 13, 14, 15 mm-hmm. testosterone. And it's like a very competitive nature for us as males. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to assert our dominance, trying to figure out our, our pecking order. Yep. And so, yep. you know, where do I fit in? I mean, I'm smart in school. School is easy. I can, I'm in trigonometry. I'm in Spanish. I'm in uh, uh, chemistry class. I'm in classes with like people two, three years older than me. Mm-hmm. So I was good in school. And, but I'm like, man, I need to, I need to try to make some money. Cause I'm like, 
I'm not I'm not able to, like you said, feel like I fit in at that level. Mm-hmm. And then once I holler at the big homie and I'm like, dude, you know, let me get a double up. I didn't really know what it was. I didn't even know what crack was. Nobody in my family was into drugs. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever been locked up. But I, I, I one once during the summer and my 10 speed, I like, dude, you know, I figured he might have some because I could tell he's a little bit more advanced than everybody else. The big homie. And I got a 20 double up. I went to the park <laughs> and as soon as I rolled up, somebody nodded their head and I nodded my head. And when they seen it, I'm like, OK, this is how it goes. I didn't even know how to do it. And they what you got? I'm like, what you need? And I showed it in my hand, <laughs> popped it around a little bit. They like they snatched it up. I shot right back over there. Came back, did it again. I shot back four or five times across the hood. Yeah. And next thing you know, I had like 200 bucks. Uh-huh. I'm like, man, shit. That's a ga- that was a game changer. So was it already cooked up or you cooked it up? It was already rocked. Oh, okay. It was already rocked. So, you know, at that point, um, you know, I started seeing the game. But mm-hmm. see, the cold thing about it, man, it was that wasn't nobody lacing us really on how to buy raw. Right. So they were getting right. us like, yeah. we were getting $500 yeah. double up instead yeah. of getting the yeah, they was they you know was getting I mean? they was getting you like that because they getting wasn't getting it. it. Yeah, they getting it soft and then they cutting it. They putting a, a three on every seven. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So I, yeah, yeah, that was the game. You know what I'm saying? That when, was the game. Yeah, you and didn't know no better. You didn't know no. No, better. and these guys, they knew we were hustlers. Yeah, so we were good runners for them. Yeah, oh, what you need? What you need? Little market? What you need? So yeah, little little crypt, little crypt. So I was making them. More money than they were making for themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They was hitting you over the head because you didn't know no better. Yeah, and that's... Go ahead. So, no, it it just... uh, Like you said, getting around that. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It advanced me so much as far as this maturity because mm-hmm. I had to stand out there with these grown men and not like get punked from my door, but still get my customers. Mm-hmm. And I had one or two homies watching my back, but it just took me down that path, man. Because once you get, once you see how economics works, yeah. And then I'm looking at like my, you know, like my grandfather, he working all them hours and he eating, passing out. I'm like, dude, I don't want to be right 40, 50 years old, like living like that where you are slave to your job. Right, right. Real talk. Yeah, that was always a fear for mine, too. Uh, when I was talking with the homie Jay Prince, um, that's what I told him. I said, man, when I was young, I kind of made a uh, kind of an oath to myself. I was like, I mean, it may have been reckless, but at the same time, it put a sense of urgency, you know, under my situation. I mean, I had my first child at 16, but I remember mm. saying, hey, before I be working at a job and slaving at a job for the rest of my life, I'm going to go out here and grab it. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I heard you. you heard, I'm going to go out here and grab it. You know what I mean? And, uh, That's an inside joke. Yes, yeah, an inside joke. <laughs> I'm going to go out here and grab it. And, uh, and I was willing to, you know, wholeheartedly go to prison or, or, or die, you know, uh, about getting to some money, you know, and again, hustling with a purpose. You know what I'm saying? I like, I knew that, okay, let me go in with a plan. You know, but I'm not I want my time to be my own. If I got to be at a job like I was literally at a point Herc, where I told my old lady this. I said, if I had to go to court and the judge said, listen, you got to go to jail or you got to get a job. My next question would be, well, how much jail time are you talking? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's how I did not want to be stuck on that hamster wheel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, because if it's something I could do, then I'll go sit down because I feel like I'm losing time anyway. 
You know, if I'm going somewhere working 10, 12 hours a day and just stuck on the hamster wheel of getting by, you know what I mean? Hell, I'm of no use to anybody anyway. So let me go, fuck it. Let me go lay up in here and let the state take care of me. You know what I mean? And let my old lady go, you know, thrive without me being dead weight, you know, because that's how I looked at it at the time. So mm-hmm. I definitely understand, you know, that concept. So once you did you so once you start getting the hustling and stuff like that, did you did you win at that? Did were you just kind of making ends you know, meet or did you actually come up? It was really up? short-lived because I tell you, most of the people who were winning in a dope game back then were their whole families were drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And my family was square, so everything I did was under scrutiny. Yeah. If I had an extra three pairs of shoes mm-hmm. in my closet, my mom mm-hmm. would be like, Where'd you get those from? I said, oh, I got a deal. My mom wasn't. She's like, come on, man. Those fields back then, you didn't get those. Yeah. Where'd you get that Adidas sweatsuit? I know that's 100 bucks. And where'd you get that? You know, we had a little uh, the Rolex from the smokers and shit. Yeah, yeah. So you, you <laughs> took all that stuff, take it all up where yeah. you go in the house. But, I mean, my mom wasn't stupid. So I had to be so sneaky. I couldn't. I had to be sneaky on the street and be sneaky at home. And it, it, was, it was a clash. I was living mm-hmm. a double life. Yeah. But ultimately... Because one of my teachers was actually he had the brick phone back then and he started talking about the stock market. And I'm like, man, if I sell this dope, maybe I can get me an account and start trading stocks. So I was thinking like, wow, you know, business wise, Mm -hmm. if I could, you know, take this money, you know, and he was talking, but nobody in my family talked about stocks. So it was kind of foreign, but I was trying to get the game and figure out how to open up account. How do I trade? And then turn around and let that money build. But I knew that that was how people had wealth. Mm-hmm. People who traded stocks, who owned corporations, they had money. And that was what they didn't teach us in school. So I tried to get at them a little bit. But, man, it was it was like fighting an uphill battle because nobody – I couldn't who, – who could I talk to about this? Right. So I couldn't go to my people and be like, hey, i got a couple thousand. Can you help me get some stocks? They'd be like – I'd get into a whole argument. They'll take the money and be like, okay, you can't do – you know, I'd be in trouble. So – I was like caught between a rock and a hard place. So I wasn't able to really take my game to the next level. So I sold dope for like uh, the summertime and into the school year and ended up getting caught up, helping a homie and went to juvenile hall. Okay. You got a dope case? Caught a dope case at 15 and um, ended up going to juvenile hall. And the judge basically told my mom that she wasn't capable of taking care of me. So I became a ward of the state. And they sent me to the boys' ranch. And in the boys' ranch, it was nothing but gangbang central. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, and in, in the boys' ranch, basically, everybody in there were professional drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Mm-hmm. All they did, everybody went in there, made connections. And when you got your weekend pass, the goal was for these dudes to sell as much dope as they could between Friday and Sunday. Wow. Wow. So when you was in juvie, they, they gave weekend passes? You could get out? Well, from juvenile hall you got sent to the boys branch. So boys branch was a precursor to CYA California youth authority. If you mess up at the boys branch, you can go to CYA and CYA can keep you to your 25. Basically, you know, you're talking about, you know, that's like junior prison, right? But boys branch was kind of like, um, like a gladiator camp for that, but you got the lift, you were on a farm, you get to take a trade. You had a dorm type living, but you're around nothing but other gang members. So there was, Del Paso Heights Bloods, Oak Park, uh, 29th Street, uh, dudes from Rancho Cordova, Creek Mob, um, The Flats, all these sets. And so everybody claimed something. I mean, back then, you couldn't be – the average dude up in there was hitting two wheels. So everybody was in there 225 minimum. Mm-hmm. And then you have some dudes like my big homie was hitting like 365 at 17. Wow. So 
everybody up in there was headbusters and um, just like straight gangsters, man. I mean, I was up in there when Bo was up in there, and that's when he used to, we used to beat on the table, and he'd be rapping like way before he even came out with Gas Chamber. Oh, really? So you was locked up with Sibo? Sibo and, and, and at the Boys Ranch, man, back in, uh, man, like 80, 88. 8889 like back yeah. Mhm. What kind of uh what kind of juvenile prisoner was uh Bo up in there? Was he wild? He Yeah, yeah, Bo was Bo was about his business, man. I mean, he had a lot of big homies, Michael Michael Ward. There was a uh a lot of uh a lot of like this known crips like these dudes were like like just gangbangers and like our hood and then were cool because one of my partners, my big homies were from the south area and he was known. So you know, when shit kicked off, I mean, it would be like blood on one side, Crips on the other, and everybody had to be able to chunk them. Mm-hmm. What? No, dude, you had to be able to, if you was a punk, I remember I had a beef with a dude, and he ended up coming in there, and I seen him, and my homeboy's like, hey, man, we ain't gonna have no, no bullshit, so y'all square up, y'all handle y'all business, mm-hmm. you know, or we're gonna squash this shit right here. And so me and a dude, like, squared up, and you're like, oh, fucking blood, we cool, you know, so mm-hmm. we you squash it. Otherwise, it'd be tension up in there. Yeah. And you ain't trying to get jumped because dudes in the nighttime, man, they put a lock in a sock and go upside your head. Oh, yeah. While you're sleeping. Lock in a sock or soap in a sock. Soap in a sock, man. Mm-hmm. And like I said, everybody up in there was gangbanging. When people came to visit, I seen family members, moms with blue rags on their head, grandpa's with red rags sagging. I mean, mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't it was like everybody was on some type of like gangster time. So it was mm-hmm. a totally different and my mom was like, she was disappointed. She was like, man, I, I, ain't, I ain't, this ain't, this ain't my scene. My mom was a square. Yeah. She went with that. She hated coming up there. And, um, you know, it's like, I kind of, at that point, I think it kind of distanced us, even though, cause I had some type of way, you know, I was going through a lot of, you know, childhood stuff, man. And it just, from that kind of took me on a path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so do you think that kind of at that stage of your life, you, I mean, you was lost. Do you think you were kind of acting out? from, you know, just kind of deeper rooted issues, shit going on at home, you know, maybe dad issues or, or, you know, abandonment, you know, things like that. I, I, for sure, man, I, I, I look back now and majority of the males in there, nobody had a dad, mm-hmm. nobody had, they had big homies, mm-hmm. but do with really no father figure. So a lot of the things like, say if I would have had a dad who would have been like, Hey man, get your ass from at the park. What mm-hmm. the hell you, Nick, you know, pop you upside yeah. the head. You ain't gonna be. I ain't gonna be playing that shit. You're gonna go to football practice. Or you're gonna do this. You're gonna go martial arts. Or if you had that discipline, a woman cannot discipline a young man at 14, 15. You gotta have a man. Yeah. You can't have two women. You can't have one woman. You need a stern male figure mm-hmm. who that youngster knows he fears yeah. to a degree. Yeah. He loves, but he fears. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree, bro. Um, it's, it's, man, it's, it's such a, uh, it's the proverbial story, man. You know, such a similar experience. Same thing with me, bro. I'm an only child raised by just me and my mom. I was raised by women, actually, you know, for the most part. You know, my grandmother, my aunts, I was raised by strong, me educated too. women. You know what I mean? Um, the, the man that really kind of came in for a period in my life was my uncle, my uncle Ed. He was married to my aunt. And he was that alpha male. But I was coming to age. I was about 12, 13, getting a little height on me. And, you know, you start smelling your pisses, they used to say. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> my Uncle Ed, he he played for the Bears. He was from uh, he was from Gary, Indiana. And he had played for the Bears for a short stint. But he was like 
the epitome of alpha male. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I remember he used to, he was going to make me tough. You know, he took me under his wing like I was, you know, a blood nephew. But he had such an impact on me. You know what I'm saying? But I needed that. And I didn't understand mm-hmm. at that time, you know, but, you know, and my mother wasn't weak by no stretch of the imagination. I mean, I, I used to watch my mama fight niggas. You know what I'm saying? If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Mama, you know, I grew up around domestic violence, but it ain't like what you think. You know what I'm saying? My mother wasn't the the pounded on damsel in distress. No, you know what I'm saying? She won some of them fights, you know what I'm saying? So my mother was still very strong. And but when I got 14, 15, 16, you know, I was damn near six feet tall. And you, like you say, man, she's still a woman, you know what I mean? And and though I had a healthy fear and respect of my mother, it's still different. You know what I'm saying? It, it, I don't know why it is, but it is. So, you know, they can't really get you like a man could because my Uncle Ed wasn't around anymore. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if he was still around, then he, you know, I was really more scared of him than I was my mother. You know, I remember thinking one time uh, I had did some bullshit and his 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 child, of course, would be my first cousin, my cousin Edwin. And so uh, Edwin got in trouble for some shit we did. But here I'm thinking, shit, boy, you got your ass whooped. He can't whoop me. He ain't my daddy. Shit, I ain't. You know, <laughs> boy, I thought wrong. That man, he beat the shit out of my cousin and told me, you, come here, your turn. I look like, whose turn? Yeah, I I'm, you ain't my daddy. Yeah, he showed me. He gave me one of them good James Evans, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's what I needed at that time, you know, and I didn't realize that, of course, hindsight, 2020, once you become a man and a father. But, um, you know, that's why I think it's important in our community where you have mentors, you know what I'm saying? Because, see, I never had mentors. I never had somebody older than me to really stay close and, and say, hey, man, look, you fucking up, you know. Don't do that, dog. Like, I try to be to a lot of the little homies, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, I know for a fact I didn't save a couple young niggas' lives, you know, because uh, a lot of the young cats I know, man, they hey, they, they do that. They they about that life. And not only did I save their life, I didn't save the lives of others, you know, by keeping them on the leash. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Explaining to them, like, hey, dog, you know, saying you you trying to think, you know, this is a, a permanent solution that you're trying to put to a temporary situation. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a situation some years ago where, uh, you know, some little nigga in Kansas City robbed him, you know what I'm saying? On some foo-foo shit. You know what I mean? He you know that 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 they was doing something, you know, what I mean, dude, go in the front door, go out the back, you know. So <laughs> he called me like, um, <clears throat> you know, shit, this is what happened. So I told him, I said, nephew, I said, um. I said, listen, bro. I said, how much was it? You know, I said, bro, you got a little money. That ain't nothing. I said, you just bought him for that. You know what I'm saying? So you bought him for that little money. You ain't got to deal with him ever again in life. I said, but understand this. I said, he's doing that to other motherfuckers. I said, and they're going to, he's going to do that to the wrong person. That's not going to have someone like me in their ear. You know what I'm saying? And they're not going to be as gracious with him. I said, I promise he won't make it through the summer. You know what I'm saying? And like clockwork, he didn't, you know, that guy and somebody he was with got hit for doing the same bullshit. And so mm. I told my nephew, I said, see, I said, you dodged the bullet. I told you that wasn't on you. 
karma never loses an address. You know what I mean? But, you know, it would it could have went different if he hadn't had me in his ear. You know what I'm saying? You know, because I served as that to him. Now, I mean, unfortunately, he got killed a few months ago due to some other shit. But, um, you know, I think that's important for for if if guys don't have that father figure, even if you're going to be a big homie, be a good big homie. You know what I'm saying? Don't put a sack in your little homie hands. You know what I'm saying? Don't put a gun in his hands. Put some wisdom in his in his heart and in his mind. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's my whole thing. I think that that could really help in the community like that. Well, you know, going back to what you said, um, I felt the same way because I remember my grandpa, my uncle trying to say something to me. And I'm like, dude, I looked at him in the face like, you know, if they want to catch a fade, we can catch a fade. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was scared of them anymore. But so the respect wasn't there. But I always respect my mom. I never talked. I never talked slick to my mom or even my family. I never brought drama to the house. But at the same time, <clears throat> it's like you said, it's having somebody you do kind of fear mm-hmm. and respect and they can expose you to things because having lived in North Highlands and then for a brief period in high school after that, I went to Huntington Beach and I seen how those kids were living. Right. Now, these kids, I mean, dude, my one partner, he managed all the accounting for his pops and restaurants. Another dude ran, um, <clears throat> he had his own strawberry field and he had, he had people working for him. Another dude, he, you know, ran his other dad's business. So these kids are so far advanced mm-hmm. business-wise. By the time they went to college, college was just a formality. Right, right. You know, and, and that exposure, they didn't give a damn about no Jordans. I remember going to a party and um, we were we used to play poker and I used to be getting them, man, because I used to be decent at poker in Texas Hold'em. And I said, yeah, I said, oh, I made enough money tonight. I'm, like, I'm about to go buy me a box chef, a Caprice Classic. And they all started laughing at me. Yeah. Oh, a Caprice Classic. That's an old family car. Hurt. Oh, man, they were clowning me. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, a Caprice Classic in the hood is the yeah, shit. Yeah, real But talk. I'm in Orange County, mm-hmm. Huntington Beach. Ain't nobody driving no goddamn Caprice Classic. Yeah. So it kind of showed me like, damn, and I started really seeing uh, just it was enough to kind of let me see a little bit, but I still felt like I was an outsider because there was only four, maybe three other black kids in the whole school. Mm-hmm. So I was an outsider looking in. But if I would have had the right guidance, mm-hmm. that could have been a game changer, too, because yeah. I still didn't have a male figure. I had a stepdad. He was cool, but I didn't have that dude who could kind of teach me about myself. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Imagine if you're 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 King Kong and you you you're running around. But instead of running, you could be jumping leaps and bounds 20 miles at a time. Mm-hmm. Or you could turn around and you can pull stuff out the earth and chuck it, but you're you're acting like you're 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 a sheep, you're a goat. You're mm-hmm. you're not even exercising your full strength. Right. And a lot of times we don't know our full strength until somebody helps us recognize that. Mm-hmm. You get the right dude, he looks at you like, damn court, man, you should have been at the combine. Right. Man, why is he doing this? Or right. man, you look, you're you're capable. Let me show you this. And then you go and right. you might learn something about architecture or this mm-hmm. and that. So exposure, man, is a yep. is a big thing. And if you don't have that, you don't even realize half your talents. That's why most people in their old age fail from having that in life, but from not even reaching their potential. Yeah, absolutely. And nothing more tragic in life than a worse, you know, waste of talent. You know what I mean? Um, and you're you're absolutely right, bro. Like that's the thing. Like, that's why I always say if we had people in the hood, you know, that could map out the possibilities, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shit could be a lot different for people, you know what I mean? For these kids. And, you know, I try to lead by example and be that 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 flashlight 
in the dark for them. You know what I mean? Because uh, when you're young, man, you you can, you know, you don't have the wisdom to have that foresight like that. You only live it for now. You know, you you think you're gonna be young forever. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of a youthful ignorance that comes with that. And uh, you have this thing where you think that you know you, it can't happen to you. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm gonna be living forever. I'm gonna be young forever. And some of it, it gets deeper, I think, too, because, you know, not to play the, the race card, but, you know, a lot of that shit is is, is systemic. You know, it's it's the ripple effect from that. You know what I mean? Because if you think about it, you know, some of the, the white kids that you went to go see uh, that you were around at Huntington Beach, you know, their parents were allowed to own homes. They didn't have to face redlining, you know, where they could own something. And back then with real estate, you know, you could use your real estate almost like a your your house, almost like a credit card. You know, that's how they were able to take their families on trips where now they're able to see something different and be exposed, that exposure you're talking about. Right. And then, you know, they're able to send their kids to college because they were able to have that ownership. They were able to get decent jobs. Even if they didn't go to college, they still were able to get, you know, go work at GM or Ford or or, you know what I'm saying, or even own businesses if they chose to. So, it, it, it gets deeper than that, you know, and it's a ripple effect, you know, where a lot of times our people, especially in that, in our era, they were just trying to survive. You know what I'm saying? They would just. Well, think about, think about this though, Court. What's been the biggest influence in our, in our culture? <clears throat> in terms of. In terms of just impacting um, the youth, um, the dynamics of communities and, and people trying to uh, emulate others. Okay. Music, TV. You go, you, you go back into the 60s and 50s. Young black men wore suits. They were sharp. Right. You know, you had you had these brothers, man, that, that, that you know, whether it's the Commodores or the Four mm-hmm. Tops. Or, everybody was sharp, man. People right. talked articulate. They weren't talking about, like, there were unity. They weren't right. talking about killing each other. Dude, once they hijacked art, the hip-hop, which is the, every culture wants to be black, but don't want to be black. Right. But once they took that, like, look, when I was first getting in, when hip hop, when MTV came out, you had Big Daddy Kane, Special Ed, right? Uh, Kwame, you yeah. had um, um, Redhead King yeah, Redhead Grand Nubian, but it was play. conscious, yeah. Remember when they started wearing the little the, the African little charms, Africa things? yeah, yeah. Everybody was like, "What does that mean?" We <laughs> never were taught that in school, like yeah. Malcolm X. I learned Malcolm X through hip hop. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. But when they seen Public Enemy, Paris, X-Clan. X-Clan, Next yeah. thing you know, it went straight to gangster rap. Yeah. Start killing. Mm-hmm. See, if that movement would have lasted, and just like today, I, I've had a, I've asked a lot of rappers to come on to my show. You know, if they just said, hey, man, I'm only speaking out this stuff entertainment it ain't cool to go out up on your dude right like you said it ain't cool to you, you think it's, you can just live taking somebody's life and and, and his family his people karma's not going to come back right. and get you right i mean that's a lot of burden bro to carry a lot of death if you said you got two or three bodies come on bro yeah yeah so yeah. hip-hop which okay yeah entertainment but listen to country they're not talking about killing each other like that yeah yeah yeah, no, I so, I agree to an I agree to an extent, hurt and and yeah, I, when I was younger because I was a, a artist, you know, and I was a gangster rapper. Um from that space, I couldn't I couldn't necessarily see it, right? When you're so close to it, you know what I mean? You can't see it. 
once I I advanced and I, I transitioned into other arenas and obviously matured and evolved and my mentality followed, I was able to look and say, damn, you know, the music does sometime, you know, perpetuate certain situations. Like even with myself, right? I bullshit you not. I, I literally got into a shootout back in the day because of SIBO. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like literally, I, I remember pulling up to a liquor store. It's public record, so I can speak on it. I had a blue cutlass with with some blue Dayton's on it, and I had hydraulics on it. I pull up to a liquor store that I know I didn't have no business being in, but fuck it. You know, I'm listening to, uh, I think it might have been, I don't even, it, it was autopsy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, so, classic. yeah, the, classic. Hood, hood you classic. know what I mean? Hood classic. So, I pull up to the liquor store, drop my shit. You know what I'm saying? I get out, go in, get what I get. I come out, these cats is looking at me crazy. Uh, it's at a, a liquor store on 43rd, Faux Trey, uh, up in Kansas City, Missouri. And so, uh, you know, I hop in the car, pop my shit back up, you know, and I turn my gangster up. I turned it up. I turned it up because I turned up SIBO. So my attitude got real bad. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm on some block monster shit. Fuck these niggas. You know what I mean? And that was the energy that I perpetuated. And guess what? They gave me everything I was looking for. You know what I'm saying? Luckily, I came out victorious in that particular situation. But, you know, did see Bo? Did that? And I'm not blaming Bo because I fuck with Bo. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it like that. But did the music play a role in that where it, you know, it my it shaped my attitude? You know what I'm saying? Like I was on some bullshit because I was feeling the moment. You know what I mean? And I'm in that element. You know, and if you look the part, they'll give you the role. So I was everything in that moment right there. So um, looking back on it, I was like, damn, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, sometimes the music can, you know, uh, help um, facilitate these 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 destructive mentalities. Even when you look at now, you look at, you know, the, the music celebrates a certain level of uh I would say reckless criminality and 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 wastefulness. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's cool to be wasteful with with money now. It's like the more money you can blow and the more shit, the more money you can burn. That's cool. And I'm like, they don't do that in other cultures. You know what I'm saying? Like you you niggas should be savoring this these blessings and but, really doing something. Well, it goes back to like who's controlling the narrative though. Yeah. You know, and like you said, I don't blame the guys who are rapping because they're just they're. For them, it's a way to help their families. They're right, trying to think right. they're going to pay their way through. And I remember I wanted to be a gangster rapper. My mom, she had adamantly would not let me rap that shit in the house. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went back to other shit. But at the time, I was like, damn, you know, I want to be a gangster rapper because I thought I was going to, you know, pay my bills and I could become famous. Mm -hmm. But now, in retrospect, you know, I talk about spirituality, man. And most people are helpful in a material world. I try to hustle in the spiritual realm. Because of the the negative, the karmatic energy I had to put, they took me to prison. I had to reverse that. And when you talk about music, you talk about tribal African music, say war music, whether it's the, the, the New Zealanders, the Vikings, the Africans, the whatever. It's warlike. It's trance-like. And you put a, a lyric behind that, it programs you, then you add liquor or drugs. Now, if you took that same music, it could be a hard-ass beat, and it showed you. Boom, 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 boom. You got your little kid, you pull up to school, kid roll up in there, he in a private school, he going to get in the class, and next thing you know, he getting the A's, he doing this, dude is hard, he's got a family, he kiss his wife, he come home, they studying, he sit in a nice house, he balling, everything. You ain't got to be smoking weed with guns. That's the same message. Mm -hmm. Hard beat, education, 
family values, kids are there. You don't have a girl showing her coochie. It ain't all that. Dude, kids, pro- it's a program. Yeah. The people at the top know this. It's yeah. a game. You So you can't, we can't, as, as more as more enlightened individuals, we can't get passes because the people who are producing those videos, just like that little Nas X shit, yeah. they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yes and no. I agree. Yes and no. Because, you know, you still got independent record labels. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you everything ain't from the top. So, some of us, we sell the bullshit too. You know what I'm saying? So I get what you're saying. So like how you had Interscope, right? When you look at the shit that went with went down with Death Row or the shit that went down with Murder, Inc., right? Their parent companies, Jimmy Iovine was free. He's still free. He never been to prison. He ain't have to worry about shit. You know, when you look at um, uh, Murder, Inc.'s parent company, which I don't know who, was it Interscope? I can't remember. But however it was, they was a major and nobody is in jail and nobody is dead. You know what I'm saying? But But really, is it their fault? You know, at what point do we take accountability? You know what I'm saying? Because, listen, Suge had to, and I'm not throwing Suge under the bus because I have a lot of respect for Suge, um, but I'm just using it as an example and a cautionary tale. I mean, Suge had the power. You know, Suge had had it. You know, he he had it. He had the the control. But he, you know, was that was that the establishment or was that him? No, no, that's what I'm saying mm-hmm. is take responsibility. Yeah. I'm not blaming Jimmy Iovine. Or any of them, because at the end of the day, it's up to the artist. Yeah. It's up to the people making the music. It's no different than everybody pointing a finger, talking about, oh, the popo. Well, look, man, 43 people got shot in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Do I hear anything about that? Or is, mm-hmm. is anybody, celebrities talking about that? Dave County, 10 kids got shot. Yeah. Where the, you know what I mean? Black on black. So I never really had mm-hmm. a bunch of beef. Yeah, I've dealt with the popos when I've been arrested multiple mm-hmm. times, but most of the confrontation I had was with niggas. Yeah. I got guns put on me. I got a dude shot of Uzi at me. Yeah. I got a gun. All niggas. Yeah. So yeah. you can't tell me when people say, oh, man, I'm not, for one, I, I, I've i been in trouble multiple times, and by no means would I say, get rid of the popo. You got to be goddamn crazy. Now that this it's wild, wild west. Yeah. And most people know they don't want to have uh, uh, Billy Bronson trying to patrol the neighborhood thinking that he's somebody that's not. So my whole thing at the end of the day is responsibility. Nobody wants to own up. We have to quit playing victim and yeah. actually say, hey, you know what? I have the money now. I have the the, the 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 platform. Why not say, you know, you talking to a kid, court, you've been through it. Kids can't say you saw. They yeah. can't say you're not real. Yeah. They can't say you, you know what's up. Me, I've done everything and some things. I'm lucky I'm here. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want a Rico. You don't want a CCE. You don't want a conspiracy. You don't want to have the guilt of having a body on you. Because I've talked to dudes in the pen crying, killers, who got two lives, 300 years. Dude, miserable. Mm -hmm. Miserable. Mm -hmm. So the reality of it, there's two sides to the coin. And what we need to do as a, a, say, you know, I'm not talking about the world, but as a black community, you need to start telling these little youngsters, bro, the other side. Because when you leave your kid is not, you, you take a boy for a dad, a son, brother, your grandma, your auntie, everybody looked up to you, mm-hmm. you removed yourself, not including the other people you affected that you didn't know you had an impact on, the little nieces and nephews that looked up to you. Mm-hmm. So we put voids and we don't even think about that because we're just carrying out the act and hanging out and doing mm-hmm. this and that. And it's like, it's about time for dude, you got to stop talking about 
oh, man, let's focus on cleaning our own house. Yeah. We'll clean our own house and it'll yeah. trickle out. If you got, if I see you rolling around in a nice car, no bird poop on it, you're clean. I know that you're a clean dude, but if I see you got a a, 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 a Maserati, it's got bird shit, dents on it, you know, if I ding your door, I don't give a damn because you don't care about yourself. <laughs> right, right. You got to show you care about your own house before you start trying to worry about, oh, man, because respect is giving as far as receive. But we don't we don't talk about that because everybody wants to be a victim. And me, like I said, I told you I was gone for a decade and I'm not out here crying. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about that for a second. Um, You know, like you said, you did your you got in your first trouble with a dope case uh, in ninth grade. So fast forward. How many years later was it that you you know, you actually bam, you hit that wall and you know what I'm saying? You got that sentence. And what led up to that? Look. Okay, I caught my juvenile hall case. Nice, nice grade going into sophomore. Booyah, my mom gets married. We moved to Huntington. I see that part of the game. But two years, so I barely started, you know, I got exposed to that whole OC bubble and the suburban kids and, you know, trying to figure out how do I fit in. I felt like, man, I, I hated it, man. I hated it because these kids, man, I, I, the girls, I didn't know how to, t- it was like, I'm used to spending game. I was having dope money. I was doing my, but I was like, I didn't know how to acclimate into that nerdy culture until my senior year. I kind of got a group, but then my mom, they, I turned 18 and they transferred. So when they moved, it's like, man, what do I do? I didn't get an invite to go move. So I figured my only resolve was to go back to Sacramento and live with my grandparents, man, it's Sacramento, man. The homies were up to all type of shit. These dudes were kicking in doors, robbing dudes, gang banging. I remember hanging by apartments. Dude got pissed. It was just like, it was stupid. I claimed that I was going to go play football, but there were so many distractions. And then there was no really, my grandpa was gone all the time. He worked and he was running the streets. So I didn't have no, at 18, I didn't know shit. We're not ready to leave the house at 18. Yeah. We don't have the responsibility yet to stand on our own two feet to make conscious decisions. So therefore, bang, gang banging downtown, fighting with blood, getting shot at, Fast forward, all that momentum, I get caught up in a home invasion, give a homie a ride, they rob somebody, boo boo bop. Next thing you know, that dude tells, he gets in trouble, tells on me, I go to the, I go to uh, CYA. I end up doing, I got five years, I did two years, eight months. Even in that place, you know, I still had potential, but it wasn't cultivated. I bodybuilt, I did a bodybuilding show, won first place, won a couple art contests, but I was just kind of like still from 18 to 21, I was just still a kid. I get out and basically from eight, from 21 till roughly 23, 20, 24, 25, I'm running around. Um, I'm doing adult movies. I get into that. That's a whole nother thing. I got into that. Oh shit. To, you did porn. Uh, her? <laughs> trying to live on my fantasy. You know, oh, 18 to 21, shit. what, what, you what know, was I'm your porn thinking, name, bro? <laughs> Big Herc. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I didn't know you did porn, bro. Yeah, man. So that was my thing in YA. I'm like, man, I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna make money busting cheeks. He said, <laughs> I'm gonna be rich. Cheeks. <laughs> and I think I found out you don't make no money in porn. <laughs> right, right, right. What they was paying yeah. you two hundred dollars a scene. Two hundred dollars a scene. <laughs> you know, a good week you might make eight hundred bucks, but yeah. you know, you looking like you living a fantasy, but. It's work. Yeah. It ain't. It ain't what dude, you think because you got a motherfucker with a camera directing you, telling you what to do, do this, do and that. back then, you might have 10 people in a room. Wow. So you're talking about the big camera. The, yeah. the boom mic might be right over your butt cheek. So <laughs> I, How you know so much about this court? It was, 
About what? <laughs> How you know so much about it? Because I'm a producer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I that was just me. guessing. Yeah, so it's rough work, man. But anyway, you know, doing that. And then um, I eventually <laughs> went back to college and then um, started selling weed again, got back into the gangster ship. So I was still in that circle, mm-hmm. which eventually led to me doing a bank robbery. And the bank robbery, after doing a bank robbery, bro. So hold on, hold on, Hurt. Slow it down. So I want to talk about the bank robbery. So walk me through that. I'm talking about like the home, who, who, you know, come like the homie say, Hey man, look, we can hit this savings and loans. You going to drive. We got to get, walk me through the whole plan. Uh, well, basically one of the dudes that I, I knew from the porn industry, he kind of knew I was a gangster just because how I carried myself. And he's like, Hey man, um, I got a, I got a lick, man. We can go rob this bank out here in Ventura. And, um, you know, Dudes, you know, these homies, they've been hitting these banks, man. It's, it's, a, it's a come up. And I'm like, I'd already been doing a lot of street shit. So I, I knew about how to pull a lick. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, man, you know, I was one of those dudes, like, I would say, F it. But I'm just going to take the chance. I I, I kind of like, I would shut down everything else, all the options, and just go all out. Because I'm an all out type of dude. So what he said, I said, okay, let's see what, you know, let's, let's, let's plan it out. Put together a little plan. And I'm the type of dude, I'm going to go up in here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not no scary dude. And and for whatever reason, I always felt like I had to prove that. So for myself, I'm like, I'm always be one of the dudes who are going to make it, who are going to go at it hard. And um, the dude, the one guy, he was the driver. There was another dude who went into the bank with me. Hold on real and, quick. Hurts. Um, oh, was was this your first time? I mean, we passed the statute of yeah. limitation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First bank robbery. You okay. know, before that, it was all street shit. Okay. Okay. Go, so, go ahead. Dude was driving. This was a crossover thing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I should have. I should have thought twice and I knew in my heart of hearts and my gut feeling that I shouldn't have went through with it. Mm-hmm. Cause the crazy thing court was the morning of the bank robbery. When I was waiting to get picked up, it was a gloomy day. I was living off of uh, Beverly Glenn and, um, and uh, 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 Beverly Glenn and um, before you get to Pico, but right over in Wilshire area. So it's like Beverly and, um, Wood, like Beverly Wood. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. yeah like Beverly Wood, like not too far from Century city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom called me. And I'm sitting there and I'm dressed in this outfit. I got like my shit on. And she's like, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm watching the news. And she's like, you know, uh, did you watch the uh, the Bachelor last night? And it's like, dude, it was a sign for me to say no. You know, my mom was trying to talk to me spiritually like, don't do that. Don't go do with that. But after she hung up, I sat there. I'm like, man, that was weird, man. She never called me this early. Mm-hmm. It was like seven or something in the morning. We getting ready to go hit the bank. Mm-hmm. And I went against it anyways, man. And I left the house, man. And that was the last time I seen the streets, man. But we drove up to the bank. And um, it was one of those drive-through banks that had a circular driveway. And when they drove there, they kind of pulled up. And these dudes, we had a getaway car, too. So we had this car. We had another car stashed. Mm-hmm. And um, they kind of sat there. And then, like, probably, like, a couple seconds went by. And I, didn't, I pulled out my ski mask and jumped out the car and ran up in the bank mm-hmm. and told everybody, get out. And then dude, I was assuming was behind me, which he was, he jumped in, he jumped in there and jumped over a counter and, um, you know, started doing his thing. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking in my mind, everything's like slow motion. Yeah. You know, people think in the yeah. movies, dude, it's slow motion, but you're looking at the clock yeah. and I'm like, damn, man, I'm like, we need to, we got to get out of here. We mm-hmm. got to go. And he's arguing with the lady. Then he pistol hit somebody upside the head with a pistol. I knew it was all bad. Once he, I seen that. I'm like, this dude's snapping, man. He He's losing it. Mm-hmm. I look out the window, and from the corner of my eye, I see the sheriff's out there in raincoats because it was raining. Mm. And he had a shotgun. I see him, like, in my peripheral. And I'm like, dude, it's all bad. 
how, how long so was y'all like, in there for the police to get there? Are they just by chance? They might already been in the area, man. Damn. It, it might have been at this bad timing. Could have been they were already maybe patrolling, or mm-hmm. the lady had hit the thing. Who knows? Because Ventura, you know, they ain't got nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So they were there, and on our way out the bank, we jumped in the car, pulled out. A, a cop just happened to be behind us. He bumped us. Now I don't know if he knew it was us or what, but when he bumped us, we we looked and we gunned it, and we. We hit a corner and pulled into a parking lot, and dude got out the car and pulled a gun on us. And I'm like, God damn, this shit is over already. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, the dude was sitting there, and the cops like, get out the car, get out the car. And he had a you know door open with his gun drawn, and the dude who was driving, he gunned it, gunned it around him, boom, shot around him, shot up the street into another little area where we had another car stashed, and we jumped in from a we went from a Ford Escort to a Lincoln Navigator. We jumped in a Lincoln Navigator. Now, I had already took off all my robbery clothes and left it in the, the escort, but we had the money, and we dropped in the Navigator, and we pulled out. By this time, there was probably, dude, probably 50 cops already in the area, Damn. and we pulled out, and there were three black guys. They looked. They looked at us. We looked at them, and they made eye contact, and boom, it was on. And so we had a high-speed chase on the 101 with helicopters and everything, man, in the rain, and um, they eventually laid down a spike strip in the carpool lane. And they laid down a spike strip. The, the Lincoln ran across the spike strip. We were on wheels, basically couldn't go anywhere in the rain. He's like, man, I'm going to stop the car. You got to jump out. So until he stopped the car, I jumped out, jumped over the center divider, ran across four lanes of traffic on the freeway. I don't know how to get hit. I ran up a hill, and I tried to find somewhere to hide. I seen a parking garage. I was going to try to go in there and hide. And I ended up getting arrested on the beach. The other two dudes got arrested inside the car with the canine. The canine went in and got it, got the ass. Wow. So that was a wrap. I was sitting on the beach. They're like, get on the ground, you know, this helicopter. And I'm looking at the ocean. And that was the last time I seen the Pacific Ocean. Wow. And I'm I get handcuffed and I had a pit of epiphany at that point, like, dude, this is a wrap, bro. You gotta change. This is it. And I knew I was done. And I, I that was, you know, it's a decade. Pistol, you know, guns, hostile takeover, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, once I got to uh, once I got arrested, got into prison, I basically uh, my goal was to uh, change my mentality. And at that point, I started, you know, researching my case, trying to figure out the mm-hmm. law, trying to see if I can get some time off. Yeah. You know, how could I get some charges dropped? And um, I ended up knocking two years off my sentence. Yeah. And and I distanced myself, from my co-defendants. I just basically I knew as these guys got me in this shit. I got to let these guys just. I got to cut it off. So now. let me ask you, did, did, did they stand tall or did they? Nah, man. The one dude I was looking out for in there, the one other guy that ran the bank with me, he, he actually, we, you know, they separate you. And I went in there, you know, I said, Hey man, I, I'm not going to say nothing. Give me an attorney. They're like, Oh, smart ass. Get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. But the other dude, he had went in there and when he came out, I'm like, dude, you didn't say nothing. Right? He's like, no, 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 no. Well, he had actually gave him a hundred pages worth of discovery. Damn. He didn't even really know my name, but he was calling me Herc. Hurt, mm-hmm. hurt this, hurt that, hurt this. So he basically gave up all the information, but he felt so bad that he told that literally he went to trial. They offered him seven. He went to trial, bro, and they broke his ass like 15 years. Damn. He went crazy in prison. Wow. Stopped showering, skin broke out, uh, basically had a mental breakdown, bro. He 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 lost it. So uh, was crazy. Like I'm the only one alive still for my case. The other dude who was the driver, mm-hmm. he got out before me. He um um he caught lupus. He died. Damn. The other dude, he got out from a mental ward. He did like probably 
10 years of his time in a mental institution, was living on Skid Row. He was the guy, like, years back that got um, shot um, eight times by LAPD. They said he tried to reach for a gun. Mm-hmm. Homeless dude, and they shot him. Damn. Okay. So both of those guys are dead. Wow. So you played out on yours. I had no choice. I played out. <clears throat> I played out to 10, um, 120 months. And then um, the whole time I was in prison, I basically helped other people with their legal work um, and um, filing briefs and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I spent all my time basically educating myself about business and um, and just uh, spirituality. So what uh, what facilities uh, were you at? Uh, Lompoc USP in 2000. That was the first spot. And, you know, USP, Lompoc, they call it the castle back then. It's like one of the oldest penitentiaries yeah. on the West Coast. But it, the average person in there is doing probably 25, 30 years. Wow. I mean, they got dudes in there, five lives plus 100. Um, Carmine Persico was there when I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, like, infamous, like, people who was, like, powerful on the East Coast. They sent them all the way to yeah. Lompoc. Yeah, I was about to, to say Persico is from, from New York. Colombo, yeah. Colombo family. Yeah. He was in the same unit. I didn't really talk to him like he did his thing, but he older guy. You would never know. Dude was a cold gangster, bro. Mm-hmm. Cold gangster. But there was a lot of big time dudes there from like, you know, East Coast, Baltimore. They had some dudes there, some twins. Mm-hmm. And they were like, dude, they these dudes are cold, cold G's, man. But they shot them out there because on the East Coast, mm-hmm. a lot of these dudes have too much pull. Too with much the pull. Yeah, too much influence. Yeah, yeah. So they, they shot a lot of the dudes there. And I was there for 18 months. My points dropped. I went to Sheridan and I was there for a couple of years. And from Sheridan, I went to Herlong and then I paroled from Herlong in 2008. Okay. So that's feds, right? Lompoc to feds. Yeah. All, all feds, no state. So feds is totally different mentality than the state right. because of the level of crime, a lot of drug conspiracy, yeah. robberies, yeah. like that. So, I mean, they traditionally say that the feds, I mean, if you have to do time, you want to do it in the feds opposed to the state. Does the state like gladiator count? Feds is more educated. It's gotten real bad now because of like the immigration situation. Mm-hmm. So it's been flooded. But back in the day, I mean, they had, um, you know, a lot of uh, you go there and get educated, go to college, you come out and become a millionaire, you mm-hmm. know, just through learning how to like buy foreclosed properties, mm-hmm. how to invest in the stock market. I mean, I learned about the stock market in there. I learned about LLCs in there. I learned about um, how to write scripts in there, how to mm-hmm. write books. I mean, there's a lot of dudes. One of the, my partners was with one of the dudes who wrote Biker Boys in there. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of really smart dudes in the feds, but these are the, these are the guys, if they were in their neighborhoods, they were the ones. You know right. what I mean? These dudes are right. well round. I mean, just really smart guys that got so much time. It's like, it's beyond. I mean, it's like, why does the guy have to do that much time for that? It's like, yeah. you didn't even find no drugs. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what I call ghost dope. You know what I mean? Um, you know, unfortunately, they start implementing the uh, conspiracy laws, you know, which was created for the mafia. They start, yes. you know, enacting that toward, you know, street level drug dealers, which that's why you got a lot of cats doing these draconian sentences, you know, never caught with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? But if enough people said it's you, then it's you, you know, and that's how yeah. that conspiracy thing work. I got a partner of mine, uh, Chevelle, uh Rat. I graduated with him from uh, uh, Kansas City, and I think they gave him like 30 years. Uh, never caught him with nothing. And then the killing part about conspiracy is so they so cold with it, bro, because somebody on his case got caught with a quarter brick and a pistol. Right. He got caught with it. They charged everybody wrapped up in that conspiracy for that quarter brick and that yeah. gun. Yeah. It's like, how the fuck do you do that? And I read through his case. 
I mean, the feds is a cold piece because they literally charged him with uh, he got that Rico. I was going to say, that's a Rico, right? He got him with the Rico. Yep. Never yep. caught, not with a grain of salt. Same thing they did with uh, Big Meech. Um, <clears throat> but they literally had wiretaps, but he never said anything reckless. But they said from their investigation, they pretty much estimate that he could have been doing. I'm like, you convict a motherfucker on what he could have been doing and what that's you think it. he was talking yeah. about? You know what I mean? So yeah. 30 years, you know? And, you know, that's the thing about that. I mean... You know, that's that's something that I'm passionate about, to be honest with you, because it's so fucked up. I mean, I, I know cats that didn't kill motherfuckers and done less time than that. You know what I'm saying? What about child molesters? <laughs> right. Exactly. Pedophiles, rapists. Absolutely. Probation. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's, it's so ass backwards. And it's like, what is it really? I mean, what are you really mad at? You know, because you don't care about the you? community. Yeah. Let me tell you what you're mad about. I was talking with some guys from New York when I was in there. And the dude told me, man, he's like, he knew a lot of prominent Jewish attorneys and lawyers. And literally, when the Rockefeller drug laws came out first in New York to knock down a lot of those Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, the blacks that were selling big time drugs. See, when you have access to money like that, mm -hmm. essentially you buy first a lot of little material things, mm -hmm. but then you start buying property and businesses mm -hmm. see they had to knock these dudes down before they changed their whole yeah. legacy right see so mm. the dude told me he said he said he was at a steakhouse and one of the wall street dudes came in there and he's like dude what is this fucking dude doing at my table he's like well sir he paid he's like he paid well this is my table and blah 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 blah. he said like, dude he's a big spender and then they go outside he got the newer bands he yeah. got dude they they lobby for that shit because they want to get us out the way absolutely see, I always you, said you that. Competing. Yeah, it's all it's always been about the money. Even with the government, at the end of the day, they don't give a fuck about the community's health like that. No. You know, that what it is is you was making too much money and they didn't get their cut. That's what it come back to. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's exactly. why I always said, you know, listen, even I don't care, I mean, you know, if it's crack, I mean, and you know, drugs has touched all of our families, you know, in the neighborhood. Um, my thing is tax it. You know what I mean? I, I understand. I get it. Cool. You know, they selling some drugs, especially if you have a crew that's not violent. You know what I mean? Because most of the cats that I know that was really getting to the money, most of them were not violent. That's why they were able to get to the money. Because once mm -hmm. the bodies start dropping, that's where shit get murky, you know, and exactly. they understood that. So they stayed away from violence. You know what I mean? But they was doing their thing and they got them them sentences, you know, them football numbers. But at the end of the day, I was like, but well, that doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? If I get it, he was doing wrong. He was doing a, a illegal business. He made all this money. Okay, seize his shit. Put a tax lien against him. Because that's really all it's about. You, If you feel like through your investigation he made $5 million, put a tax lien on his ass. You know what I'm saying? Okay, make him go sit down. What, 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 what's the sentence for not paying taxes on $5 mil? You know what I'm saying? Okay, give him that. You know, instead of sending him to prison for 40 years and you never even caught him with shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, that seemed like that would be the most plausible thing. But again, it's a tool. It's, it's, it's a bigger play there. You know what I'm saying? You get two for one. You know what I mean? You got a nigga selling the dope. You're going to throw him away. Then you got another motherfucker robbing and killing for the dope. We're going to throw him away. So it's it's really like a tool just to eliminate all the pieces on the board. Well, well you know, two court, it, it's, it's, it's like you take those same people. It's like saying like, okay, I've, I've been through the fire. You take some of the other guys who actually have the ingenuity mm -hmm. to make money in a place where 
there look like there's no money. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you're talking dudes the game, yeah, the Wall Street sure. game, the for LLC sure. game, for sure. the real estate game. These dudes mm-hmm. will be out of control because they have hardly any education, but yet right. they were able to do that. Yep. You give them a little bit of guidance, it's a wrap. Absolutely. I've always said the D-Boys make some of the best CEOs and 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 business people. I mean, because they already are they already have the predisposition of that. They already have the business acumen. It, it's innate. It's already in them. You know what I mean? It's just it's just, you know, focused to the wrong thing, obviously. You know what I mean? But if they were given a different opportunity or shown something different, you know, then they could definitely level up like that. You know how they you know how they even do that in prison court is that like the Wall Street dude, they send them to a camp. See, they don't want to send any of the big the D boys to the camp because you get around them dudes and you get the game. You get the game. Yeah. Oh, bro, you come outside, you're a millionaire because you already got shit cracking. So they know if you learn that, if you were able to pick up on no get no no structure and make structure, mm-hmm. if you had a little bit of structure and somebody just told you the ropes, dude, it'd be game over with. Yeah, information is power. But like they say, man, you want to hide something from a nigga, put it in a book. You know. So at some point. We have to take responsibility and educate mm-hmm. ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Because education mm-hmm. is key. I used to think that that shit was a cliche saying when they would say knowledge is power. When you was a kid, you'd be like, knowledge is power, education, <laughs> education. We just want the money. But then when you get older, I even found myself hurt, and I'm not too proud to say it. Um, you know, I thrived at certain things in business. I was able to create a multi million dollar real estate portfolio, you know, just to be honest with you, from low hustle money, you know. Um, but there were instances where I found myself in spaces where I could have really seized the moment if I had been formally educated. I just didn't have the information. I just didn't, you know, and that's where they edge us out is they have the knowledge and the information, you know. Um, so a lot of times I tell, you know, young guys, man, listen, educate yourself, you know, you can, and this is the thing, anybody can get money. Really the science is keeping the money. You know what I'm saying? That's a whole different feet uh is is keeping it and 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 building the wealth and making your money work for you um another thing i want to ask you real quick um when you were in prison right what was the it just came in my head what was the craziest thing you witnessed i mean doing eight years you had to see some crazy shit you know i mean uh as far as what i see i mean i try to stay really out the way but I seen, you know, coming from the yard, there were dudes who owed debt. And some of these dudes would think they're slick and they would never go into the chow hall, would never leave the unit. And they think they could just go to work and come back and nobody would catch their ass. And they'd owed for, you know, it could have been drugs or bad gambling debt. And, um, you know, essentially somebody will buy that debt or they're going to send a hitter. You're going to get caught up. And I guess one cat, he um, he owed. And he thought that he could just keep going to work and going back to the unit and living out of his locker when he wouldn't get caught up. And I guess they caught him going from work, man. And um, basically the dude looked like, I don't know what they did on. He was stomped out, but there was blood coming from everywhere. And it was just like a puddle of blood walking through the, uh, into the, into the, into the uh, building from the metal detector where a dude was just like leaking. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, you know, literally you don't even look down. You just keep walking. Yeah. You try to get as far away as possible you don't see if there's a vital nothing because if you get anything on your boots, you touch anything, you 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 say you've seen something, and then it's all bad, bro. Because now somebody might try to get you for saying that maybe you're a possible witness mm-hmm. or you're 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 working with the police or anything like that. You just let it be, man, and mm-hmm. you got to keep walking. So it's like 
it strips you of certain humanity things because you can't be a human. I mean, I've seen another guy in a stairwell who got stabbed in the neck with a chicken bone, bro. And he was bleeding and he looked up at me, bro. And I couldn't even stop, man. I couldn't even, I couldn't even reach down to help him mm. because I don't know who stabbed him. Mm. And then if I reach down and help him, you know, people are like, man, you don't be doing, you know, you don't, you don't help Corey. Who, you know, how you know that dude? You don't, I couldn't even do nothing, but he was another human being. Mm-hmm. But I seen him, man. And I didn't know if he was going to make it. He was leaking and um, somebody got to him because they couldn't get to his partner. And then I seen him after that. And he looked at me, man. I looked at him, bro. And I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't say nothing, man. What can I do? Yeah. If I pick the dude up and do something, man, I'm fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Did, he bleed, did he bleed out? Down. Did he bleed out and die? He, he no, he made it. Oh, okay. That dude made it. He had some scar, but I seen him and he's I seen him after that. And I know he probably looked at me like you didn't stop, you know what I mean? But what could I do? Yeah, but he gotta understand the politics though. You know, he and of course. Yeah. Of course. He was a New York East Coast dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, and but it's just like whatever goes on in there, you gotta really you gotta watch what you get involved in because it's such it's such a eating with somebody, man, and then you find out this dude is hot. Soon as you find out the dude is hot, <laughs> you can't fuck with him, and you might have to check the dude that you just had a spread with. Yeah, wow, wow. So you know, it, it's you know, I, I seen a dude. Oh, this dude, he's from Sac, man. Blah blah blah. That's your homie. I said, dude, I don't know that dude. Where he he from? Oh, he from Oak Park. He from Sac. I'm like, dude, I don't. For one, I'm not from Oak Park. For two, you know, I never fuck with dude. And sure enough, his homie, his celly was the New Jersey blood, and the dude went to the hole. This dude stole some shit from him. And so when he came out, they punished this dude. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they 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 mopped this dude. He got he's a blood. He got mopped by East Coast blood. Mm-hmm. But now, how I said this was the homie. Yeah, I would have been in there yeah. getting mopped up yeah. too. You would have got it too. Did you so, did you get did you get tried in there quite a bit, or you just kind of stayed out nah, the way? Now, nah, dudes, see, for one, I trained every day, and I was on my game, bro. I, I did like I did a couple miles on the track, worked out every day, and um. I pretty much carry myself in a very like dignified manner. So a lot of dudes like tripping out and they're like, man, what are you in here for? Hurt? Um, credit card fraud? I'm like, nah. Oh, bank robbery. What'd you I said bank robbery? Oh, you had a note? So nah, nigga, I had a fucking pistol. Mm. Oh man, you went up in there with a pistol? Oh, <laughs> uh, then they kind of back up, like, yeah. okay, he talked hella proper, but yeah. he ain't no punk. Yeah. yeah. And then when dudes found out, oh man, big Herc was a bank robber and he did porn. Then the guard be like, oh, this nigga right here, give him new shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they was cool yeah. because they had respect. But people, I seen other dudes come up in there and I seen a super crip. You know, and this nigga super crip from the Midwest said, oh, I'll give him two weeks. Yeah. Super crip didn't make it two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nigga took him to the yard yeah. and held court, man. It's like, dude, you got to know how to read. You got to know how to play chess for real. Yeah. Because people, are, they're reading body language. They're constantly seeing if, you know, if you're soft, if they can do this and that. So, you know, I, I had to slap one dude. But other than that, I didn't have no problems because dudes knew I was about my business. Yeah. Damn. That's that's a, the shit. That's a testament right there. Eight years and not really, you know, how did you navigate with the because I know this shit can get tribal when in the politics, when the riots and shit kick off. Like, how did you manage to navigate not getting mixed up in that whirlwind? Well, a lot of times, like for myself, um, I found my mentor in prison that changed my life, man. I found the older brother in there who was doing 20 years from uh, South Central, man. Shout out to the homie Giles. He took me under his wing. Him and another older ex-Vietnam vet guy, a white guy named Harold, were two of the most impactful people in my life 
that changed the course of my time as far as my homie Harold, the white guy, gave me the game on the monetary, the monetary system, the Federal Reserve, about the government, about the Constitution, about congressional acts. He taught me everything I know about the law. Giles gave me a spiritual aspect on how to be a black man, how to be proud, how to not carry myself like a nigga, how to have some, a sense of self, how to have pride. And so I took both of those, those different people's input and it molded me. And so I was one of the few people in prison that had a clique that was multicultural. Mm-hmm. I had I, I had an Asian cat in my clique. I fuck with a Korean dude. I had uh, partners from South Central. I had a dude from uh, Belize. I had a, a couple brothers. I had uh, my partner who was from Hawaii. I had a, another dude who was North Daniel. So I got down with a lot of people and even dudes from like Mexicans from down South that don't mess with blacks. When they see me, they're like, Big Hurt, man, you cool, man, you cool, but I can't work out with you. I can't really talk to you, yeah, but you boo. Yeah, yeah. But if you get out, man, I'm gonna fuck with you, man, because you yeah. about your business. Because dudes knew I was solid. They always see me with some books. They always see me studying. I was helping people. Yeah. See, by building up to help somebody, I help dudes with their traffic tickets, with their priors. I help dudes get back into court. I was an asset. Yeah, yeah. So an asset, I can maneuver. Plus, when the CO seen that, they're like, dude, this dude knows how to push the paperwork. Leave him alone. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I was able to maneuver and like, hey, man, don't go to the yard today. Hey, man, um, load up on some commissaries and shit might kick off. Mm-hmm. So I had an inside scoop. Yeah. And so I was able to maneuver like that. But to be honest with you, Court, the most of the tension and animosity I got from other blacks. Yeah. I almost got into it a dude from the East Coast because he seen me carrying a book bag going to the library. And he's like, man, why are you always up in the library? I said, man, because I'm trying to figure out maybe there's a law or something I missed in my case and I can get out early. He said, what you in here for a bank robbery? He said, did you do it? I said, yeah, I got, you know, I got caught high speed chase. He said, nigga, just do your time. I said, nigga, you do your time. <laughs> and he looked at me yeah. like he's going to pull the shanks on me and have squared up. And I'm like, this nigga's crazy, man. Wow. Yeah. That, that type of mentality, nigga, do your time. Don't study. Walk the yard like me, nigga. Just get, get with the business. Yeah. Yeah. That nigga was hating. That's what it was. That nigga was oh, hating. Oh, man. Straight demon. <laughs> yeah. He was hating. What um? It was a video, ain't it? A video of you running across the highway. I just saw the. I just saw the. Picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a picture. I don't know who took that picture, <laughs> but it shows it shows me with a beanie and I'm leaping over the center divider. And like I said, I I know how LA traffic is. I don't even know how I made it across that without getting killed, bro. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna put it four, up four on the show traffic right here. in the rain. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, we gonna we gotta put that clip up, bro. <laughs> <That's> you. <laughs> Man, you look like a Jordan on the side of a Jordan, huh? Trying to get over the motherfucking wall. I had to see. I would have. Hey, I would have paid to see you try to hit that wall and go across that 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 medium, man. Oh man, I you know I was athletic back then, man. Yeah. And as soon as that car stopped, man, something inside me told me to run, man. And I I just shot across there. I didn't even. I don't even. I didn't even see the cars. I was moving so fast. Wow. Okay, I see you. Look like you had on some fatigue, some pants. <laughs> Did you have on the fatigues? Yeah. <laughs> I see <Yeah>. you. <laughs> it was a red navigator? Yep. Damn. Yep. Okay. That was it. Both of, them, both of them guys are dead, man. Wow. That's crazy, bro. Well, I'm glad you made it. So once you, once you, so you do your time, you educate yourself. Obviously, you come out more, you know, in a better space, enlightened and, and evolved. Um so did you go to a halfway house? I went to a halfway house. I did three months in a halfway house. But prior to getting out, I basically had like a journal. And I, I was, <laughs> the whole time I was in there, I never worked a regular job. So my only hustle was doing legal work. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, I had a pay you no mind job where you make like three dollars a month just to go sweep the yard. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I focused on business ideas. And one of the ideas I came up with is fresh out. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna come out when I'm gonna make a show about ex felons, what they do life after because lockup shows all these dudes hardcore, oh man, yelling through the bars, all this raw, raw stuff. But both of those guys are drug addicts. They, 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 they can't make it on the street. Mm -hmm. And they're basically in there living their best days because they couldn't even, they couldn't provide for their family otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I want to show the other side and give back a, something positive to show, hey man, you can break the cycle. You can become successful. And so when it, you know, I, I kept that on the back burner and that was one of the things I wanted to do. So I saved up, I had my homegirl buy a video camera mm -hmm. while I was in the halfway house. Um, and some other stuff, like I, I published a book in there, how to get down the porn game. I published that in prison. I made a bunch <laughs> of copies of that. So I was like, I'm going to be a movie producer. I'm going to be an author. I ain't working for nobody. I'm a hustler. Yeah. And that was my thing when I was in the halfway house was hustling. And so while I was in the halfway house, they want 25% of what you make. Mm -hmm. So I came up with a fake job, fake checks. I had a, somebody make me a fake check stuff yeah. and I would go out and just find oddball jobs and then pay them out of my pocket. Yeah. And so the whole time I was one of the people, I never had a legit job. Wow. Wow. Ever and I since still, I don't know how you, I made it. Listen, I met you. So you got out in 08. I met you around 09. Yeah. 10, that's what right? I was about to say. I met yeah. you in like old 09, 10. Yeah. I just, I, I had <laughs> been out maybe two, two years, 18 months. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cause I know we met in the gym. You look like it too. I knew you had, I knew you was fresh <laughs> out. You know what I'm saying? Cause you had on, <laughs> You didn't even have on workout gloves, my nigga. You had on gardener gloves, like them thick ass. Go, I said, oh, this nigga just got out. And then I could tell by the way you did to pull, pull. I'm like, nigga, all these machines in here, and he's still doing bar work. Like, you know what I'm saying? You doing dips and shit and pull-ups. I said, oh, yeah, this nigga fresh out right here. You know? <laughs> but, you know, we, we hit it off right right off the get, right off the bat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Real, real recognized real. real. Real recognized real. You know what I mean? And I've known you to to be a jack of all trades you know what i'm saying i know you to get out there and get it and hustle and every time i see you i would always see you in something fly you always in, in a nice car or some kind of kitted up souped up something you know what i mean <laughs> um so you started the fresh out youtube uh channel which is a very successful channel congratulations because i watched you build that thing you know what i mean um you started that when uh i want to say 2013 mm -hmm. so I got out and I shot actually with that little handheld camera. I shot some stuff, but it, it was pretty rudimentary. It wasn't really polished. And, you know, I was just trying stuff. And then I met my business partner, which you met, Anthony. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of, like, I told him about my idea. And from there, we found a neighbor who was a camera guy. And we started shooting. And our first interview um, was Cali Muscle back in 2013. Mm -hmm. Man, Cali didn't came up, bro. Oh, he blew up. He bro. came he, up. There, he... I remember you telling me about Cali back then, and I, I met him a few times. I actually met him at one of the uh, um, you and uh, what's the show? One of the what do you call them? UNPC shows or you? Yep. yep. Yeah, when he was down there competing in Culver City, and yep. Cali came up, bro. Cali yeah. came I up. I seen him at the gym, and I'm like, dude, you mind doing an interview? Because I, I was trying to figure out people I can get on the show. Yeah. And um. He was like, oh, man, I don't really want to talk about it. But I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, man, it's going to blow up, blah, blah, blah. Sure enough, bro, as soon as he did that interview, yeah. that thing went viral. And then he, you know, he started doing other videos. Yeah. And 
kind of took off, man. I'm proud of him. Now he got over two million subscribers. Man, dude is dude is doing his thing, bro. And he's eating. You know, he I think he moved to Vegas or something like that. He's doing. He's back thing. in L.A. now. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's doing. He's he back in L.A. I think he just bought a house. I seen him do a house video. He bought a new house. Man, this nigga. You see, he just bought a a, a track hawk. <laughs> Trackhawk, Porsche Carrera, yeah. Uh, Hellcat, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> Mercedes GT3 AMG. Man, he getting it, bro. He getting it. I yeah. love to see it. I love to see it. Um, talk about your relationship with uh Rich, Rich Piano. Um, I knew him before I even went to prison, man. Me and him go back in the in the nineties. Mm -hmm. So, oh damn, I knew him. Okay. I knew him before he had any tattoos. Oh really? I I knew him when he was this dude, Mister Mister California. Ah, wow. So. He's from Sac. So we have a relationship where we knew some of the same people in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And I remember the the old school gym he used to train at in Fair Oaks. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, the homie probably know um, off of Sunrise and Fair Oaks, there was that gym back in the day. It was kind of known like a little bodybuilder gym, but he used to train there. And um, anyways, fast forward in LA, we, we you know, connect. And then I, like I said, I met him and, and shoot, I met him and back like in the early 90s. And, um, when I went away and came back, I bumped into him and I'm like, damn, he got all these tattoos. He looking like a cold biker yeah. now, you know, yeah, with this stuff. And, um, you know, I initially, I hit him up. I'm like, dude, you know, I'm out, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh man, what's up, man? And he embraced me and shit. We were real cool. And we actually started a business together. Uh, we started one day you made, mm -hmm. but what happened was, man, all these dudes came in and poisoned it and it just ruined our friendship for a long time. Mm -hmm. But right before he passed, we, we made up, but a lot of dudes was hating because I was the first person to kind of take that dude to like my family. He went to see my grandmother. Wow. He ate, he ate, you know, Thanksgiving at my house. He's been in my house for Christmas. I met his dad, you know, I met his mom. So I had an intimate relationship. It wasn't just me trying to take pictures yeah. and get accolades and hanging yeah. out to fitness shows. I actually, you know, took dude around to family functions and took him to the hood, took yeah. him to Highland, and he met some of my homies. Yeah. So we had a different relationship, but there was always people getting in there, and it became a black and white thing, and it kind of like wow. messed up our whole relationship for a lot of years until, you know, we were able to sit down and talk, and then right before he passed, you know, we were, like, you know, connecting on some other stuff, yeah. and then that happened. But, um, yeah, man, um, a lot of people just used to use them because they felt like, oh, man, if I get around him, I'm going to be famous. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, man, Rich was cool. Um, I didn't know him personally like that, but uh, sometime when I would work out at uh, Gold's North Hollywood, you know, saying he was always there. And uh, one day he came up to me. He was like, man, you got a great physique, man. Your arms are huge. And, you know, Rich had, what, 27-inch arms? And I was just yeah. looking at him like, my arms, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and that kind of broke the ice and – um. Every time I would see him, he would just be, you know, real gracious and polite, you know, and speak. And even when I would see him out sometime at Venice or just around, you know, he would, mm -hmm. hey, what's up, Court? How you doing, brother? You know, um, and I knew that was your guy. You know what I mean? I knew you and him was cool. I didn't know y'all had a falling out, though. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it, it was it was kind of, man, it was kind of shitty because, like I said, uh, a lot of people, I introduced with certain people and then those people, we're trying to like, you know, get closer and say shit, mm -hmm. you know, you know, Herc is trying to do this and that. And, you know, it's sad, man, because like you, you don't see the real ones, but I was probably one of the realest friends he had. Yeah. I wasn't trying to hang around him for the bodybuilding stuff. Like I said, ask anybody else if he went to their house to eat dinner right. or, you know, go do stuff. I mean, we went to Vegas to the Olympia together. Yeah. You know, I took him to, um, you know, we went a lot of places, man. You know, when we in the cars, matter of fact, remember your boy, um, 
we went and saw you at your boy's spot. Remember in LA who had the um the the youth thing? Remember I introduced him to him too. Remember your Which partner? One? Um, he moved and bought the school out in the Midwest. Um, he, oh yeah, knew... you talking about John L? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember I took him over there. And oh yeah, we were trying yeah, to yeah. do something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Remember, I forgot. Remember? Yeah. 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 I forgot we you know John. We were trying to do a project and yes. trying to yeah. talk about doing a show and yeah. stuff like that. I remember. So, yeah. Damn, that was that a long was, time yeah, ago. Long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because matter of fact, when I see John, that's when I had the purple porch. Yeah. Yeah. When I see John Nell, he asked me about you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Damn. That was a long time ago. Wow. Damn. We go back, Kirk. <laughs> yeah because i remember we were we were trying to come up with show ideas and yep. remember me and you used to kick around different ideas yeah and i said i'm gonna introduce you to my partner he said oh because i think you're the one who told me to go down to holler at donnell yep and we pulled up mm -hmm. and we were talking in there and then um oh boy from um the movie came in there he he introduced us to him remember the dude um from um the pit movie from oakland oh uh julius uh uh the mac the Mac, he yeah, came in yeah. there. He popped in there. Yeah. And we seen him briefly in there. Uh -huh. But Janelle, Janelle, cause we were trying to talk about, he's like, man, you guys should come down here and talk to the kids and blah, blah, blah. And help the you know, yeah. community. Yeah. 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 Max Julian. That's his name. Max yep. Julian. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Wow. That's crazy, man. Rest in peace to Rich Piana. He, you know, he, he was super popular in that world. You know what I'm saying? Dude went everywhere and commanded attention. Uh, yep. did you, did you know the, the, his, uh, guy, what Mac truck, is that his name? I didn't know him. All mm -hmm. those dudes came in after, Okay. like, you know, the whole another crowd and I kind of seen, I backed up, man. But yeah, he, he, uh, he's kind of put himself out there, man. And I told yeah. him like, you know, just watch yourself, man. But yeah. I didn't know any of those guys who came after that. Man, Rich was crazy, bro. I seen that nigga Rich. He used to work out in designer shoes. You know, he, oh, yeah. he used to work out in like Gucci shoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, dude, working out in two thousand dollar shoes. I mean, he had the red bottoms. I'm like, why he doing leg day with red bottoms on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He was a character, bro. Yeah, he yeah, was he, a character. He, he, he's uh, like I said, he know how to market and like we. We started, like, I didn't even back then the YouTube. I remember we did a couple of YouTube videos, but we didn't even know really about YouTube back mm -hmm. then before all mm -hmm. when it, before it really started taking off. And yeah. then and then the next thing you know, he started his channel. He kind of mm -hmm. blew up. Yeah, he got where he get his, he got most of his paper from his product, from that 5%er. Yep. Once mm -hmm. he started that, he partnered up. He's from somebody and that, that blew up going to all the pit expos. And it mm -hmm. became because it was international. Mm -hmm. And, you know. He had a big fan base in Australia, over mm -hmm. in Europe, and he mm -hmm. he really cleaned house with that. Yeah, man, rest in peace to Rich Piana. He was a cool dude, bro. He was a cool dude. So, I mean, what you what you got? What you working on new, Herc? What you got coming now? Um, we still dropping a series, man. We um we we kicking out the fresh out interviews. We got we still got the something from nothing going on. Mm -hmm. We have um you know our own little supplement line. We kind of push it, but we're more focused on now on um getting our you know kind of kind of changing over our platform to get into like a, like a cable network. Mm -hmm. So we got some stuff from other shows. We're going to start spinning off and then we're going to start doing a whole nother uh, division. We're trying to work with like a lot of dudes on the East coast mm -hmm. to start bringing some East coast flavor in and, and showing that and giving people a, you know, an opportunity, you know, I got to pick and choose who we kind of put on because like a lot of dudes, you know, not, not including yourself because you've already kept it 100, but we've helped a lot of people out there when it comes to, Hey man, you know, can you, 
do this and that and partner up. And then a lot of dudes is like, oh, I got where I need. Now I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Cause I got a lot of people that hit me up. Big hurt, man. I'm gonna make your show. And this, I'm like, dude, you're not going to make nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't mind putting you on, but what's your ulterior motive? So we kind of been kind of picking and choosing who we put on, but mm-hmm. I'm just trying to work with good people, man. And, and, and put out good projects. I mean, mm-hmm. we wrote a scripted show. We're working on, we're, we're trying to sell right now and we're working on a car show mm-hmm. and um, we want to just keep building our brand, man, and building, you know, our network with good people around us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm curious. What is the, what do you think the percentage, if even of uh, our recidivism with the people you interview? To be honest, I don't think anybody, I don't know. I mean, we've interviewed so many people, but majority of people we interviewed haven't went back. I mean, mm-hmm. they all got businesses. I mean, Cali's doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of dudes work for the state. Some dudes got one of the dudes, Larry. Remember Larry, the dude mm-hmm. got tortured by the Mexican mafia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, got his own gym. Um, everybody's successful. And it's funny you say that because we we actually got approached by networks and they were actually disappointed that we didn't have more people. They want to see the griminess. They want to see people going back to prison. Wow. Wow. They didn't want to see the success. They're like, you got a great show, but what about the guy? who's hooked on drugs, who's going to go back. We need to see that guy. We need to see the guy that's not, you know, prison. He didn't learn. And he's like, but I'm like, dude, there's enough of that already. We're trying to show kids that for one, you don't need to go to prison, but for two, you can become somebody still, you can become a, a, you know, um, somebody that's uh, contributing to society. Yeah. That's, that's why I wore the homie shirt today. Um, This dude right here, ex inmate, he he started this and it says restore my rights. You know what I mean? County rules. So basically, he advocates for uh, inmates, you know what I mean? Getting their rights back, being able to vote and just really just being segued back into society and giving a for real second chance. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because a lot of times, you know, I know guys that have got out of prison that have never, you know, got a traffic ticket. You know what I'm saying? But they still have to uh deal with the stigma of that you know especially in the workforce you know or they go anywhere it still follows them around you know what i mean so what what do you feel about that like do you think that once you do your time you get off paper that it should kind of somewhat be a clean slate for you you know yeah i feel that um you have you've already paid your debt to society and you should be given an opportunity to get your gun rights back mm-hmm. to uh, be able to, um, of course, vote. I mean, which you can vote if you're not on parole or probation. But like for myself, I got a federal case, so I can't just get a pardon from the governor. I would have to go through the, uh, the, the, the you know, United States government. I would have to get a federal part. I mean, a uh, presidential pardon. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I want to focus on next is getting that pardon from somebody in a political position so that I can get all my rights restored. But my homie, man, he he got out, man, got his got his case uh, expunged and, mm-hmm. and got a pardon. And man, he's a real estate agent and about to get a broker license. Oh, and dope. man, it's like, dude, you know, why shouldn't a person who be able to make the same financial opportunities as the next person man, when they pay their debt? Real talk. I mean, one of my childhood friends, uh, actually, we were on the same case together. Uh, when I told you I went to jail at fifteen, uh, they were going to certify me as an adult, uh, but I lucked out, you know. Um, but he was two years older than me. So he got charged uh, on the same case with me as an adult. So he ended up getting a 12-year sentence. Uh, I think he did like six or seven uh, on that. He got out in, it might have been 98 or something like that, 99. Uh, He never went back. At this time, the the job that he got out, uh, the job that he got when he got out, 
he still is there. And at this point, he's like damn near the CEO of the company. He's right under the owner, making six figures. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he literally started on the floor. He started because it's a bad company. So he literally started, you know, on the line, doing the work, doing the hard work, getting paid hourly. He making six figures now. Yeah, I told him. I told him. I was like, man, I'm proud of you, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? You came home and never looked back, never been in no type of trouble. And I know, I know, actually, me personally, I know more people like that than I do that that go back. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's something to say to that. You know, I mean, everybody that, you know, think about it, man. If we all are judged, you know, for the rest of our life based on our worst moment, you know, what incentive do we have to change? You know what I'm saying? What incentive is there to change? You know, so, I mean, everybody's flawed. Everybody has done some shit. I've done a gang of shit. You know, I just lucked out. You know, I tell people all the time, man, you know, I say this all the time. God allows some fools more time to get it right. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he knew my heart. I didn't done. I didn't took so many penitentiary chances. When I tell you, I didn't threw rocks and stones at the penitentiary. But I had a lot of people praying for me. So I'm always rooting for the underdog. And I'm always, uh, you know, sympathetic to that 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 fight. You know what I mean? In that struggle of ex-cons. That's why I supported my homie shit. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, man, you know, I just wanted to touch bases with you, bro. You know what I mean? To get your story out there. I think, you know, I want to give you your flowers, you know, while you're here. That's what I do on this show. Um, and just say, even, you know, I appreciate you, you know, and I know you're a positive dude. You're a positive brother. You, you lead by example. You know what I'm saying? You definitely, uh, represent well for cats from the hood and cats, you know, that come from the penitentiary and come from the, uh, struggle and, you know, I love the way that you turn your whole life around. You turn your whole situation a negative to a positive. You know what I mean? So keep doing what you're doing, bro. I appreciate you, man. And mm -hmm. thank you for the opportunity to come on your show and share my story. And uh, like I said, uh, tell these people, man, check out Fresh Out, man. We doing it big and um, just really putting a positive twist on something that has a negative stigma. Yeah, for sure. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. They can mm -hmm. find us at Fresh Out on YouTube or Big Herc 916 also freshoutseries.com and bigherc916.com okay hey man yeah well now we'll put it in the link man they got half a million subscribers on YouTube so let's yeah. let's get that to a million and and you know we from the same place man we North Highlands oh, California yeah. so I, I, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you being on the show brother Hey, man, the invite, man, is like I said, man, I, I really thank you for having the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. I just had to reciprocate. You know, real recognize real, Herc. You already know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I tap in with you, brother. All right. Thank All right. you, man. Cool. an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off ba da ba ba ba